This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey, you're listening to Day by Day Fleetwood Mac, Day 12, about their 12th studio album, a double album called Tusk. Came out in October of 79, $1.4 million to make the equivalent of over $5 million in today's money, making it the most expensive album ever made, I think. So even though the album has sold multiple millions of copies, it was actually a failure insofar as they were following up Rumors, one of the biggest albums of all time. They did a nine-month tour to promote the album all over the world and recorded a live album on that tour. But what about this album? You know, going into this record, Lindsey Buckingham wanted to do something different. He didn't want to make Rumors 2. And, you know, he was becoming a driving force. He would produce this record. Lindsay has said, quote, For me, being sort of the culprit behind that particular album, it was done in a way to undermine just sort of following the formula of doing Rumors 2 and Rumors 3, which is kind of the business model Warner Brothers would have liked us to follow. So, yeah, they were in the studio for 10 months to finish 20 songs. You know, if you look at the way they approach rumors, they were capitalizing on the success of the self-titled album, and they went all in. With Tusk, they're kind of rejecting the whole concept, or at least Lindsay was. Rejecting the whole concept of capitalizing on the monumental success of rumors. I guess, in a way, that's a product of convenience 
what I mean by that is now they're rich. Rumors they needed to, that was their opportunity to be set for life. I don't know if they were thinking of it that way. But now, after rumors, they really were set for life. So there's not that kind of drive with the next album to necessarily make or break their career. They already had it. You know, they made it. They made it big. They had one of the biggest albums of all time. They're good. So there's no none of that. I wouldn't call it desperation, but just none of that drive. Not that same kind of drive. So there's that freedom. Lindsay, the, the success of Rumors afforded Lindsay the freedom to reject the idea of making Rumors too, because he didn't need to. So he could be more indulgent and creative and artsy. And also, you know, in between Rumors and Tusk, you have punk and new wave really taking off and Lindsay's being influenced by that. And, uh, and so that's a big part of it, I think, as well. But, you know, it would have been pretty funny. It must it would have been fun to watch the looks on the faces of the people from the record company when they started hearing, especially what Lindsay was coming up with in the studio. But, yeah, as the story goes, Lindsay wanted the band to be more relevant now that punk and new wave were on the scene. And, you know, so there's definitely elements of that. There's some he does some pretty weird stuff with this record. Also, journalist Adam Webb described the Tusk recording sessions as a cocaine blizzard. And, you know, Dennis Wilson was Christine McVie's boyfriend at the time. And, you know, Adam Webb said that Dennis Wilson, quote, never really came out of the cocaine blizzard. And we know what ends up happening to Dennis Wilson. So, you know, you've got fame, money, drugs. They already had that going in the rumors. Now they have it turned up to 11. John McVie has said that Tusk sounds like the work of three solo artists, which is very true. You've got Rumors was much more cohesive. And even though you had three songwriters, it feels like a cohesive album. Tusk, you've got a lot of separation between Lindsay's songs, Stevie's songs, and Christine's songs. Some of Lindsay's songs go together with theirs. And Stevie and Christine have a are on a same kind of palette or level but a lot of Lindsay's songs you know he's literally rejecting doing what people would expect kind of almost intentionally not doing what people would expect they do end up with two top 10 hit singles but I think that's really especially the the idea that the title track was a hit top 10 hit (laughs) and then Sarah I think they're just they're riding they're still riding rumors I think with that Rumors Never Happened, is the song Tusk a top 10 hit? You know, you tell me. So yeah, the, you know, the, the, the album, it says the album sold 4 million, but it's a double album, so that's really only 2 million. I mean, it really was a failure, complete failure in terms of capitalizing on the success of Rumors. It was a disaster, obviously from a business point of view. From the record label's point of view, this was a complete disaster, really. Insanely expensive to make, a double album, which is indulgent and expensive. And then it, even though it's sold a couple million copies, it's a complete flop in the context of rumors. So, But I, myself, 
I love Tusk. So let's get into it. The album opens with a song from Christine McVie called Over and Over. This is a great Christine ballad, but a very odd choice to open the album. second song on the album is a song from Lindsay called The Ledge. <laughs> a very strange but fun song. But what a weird way to open this album. You've got a very basic, or not basic, but a very easy ballad from Christine. Not at all, in, you know, a lot of Lindsay's material for this is going to be in your face. So they open the album with the least in your face thing possible. Then, right after that, followed up with Lindsay being a nut job. So, you know, this song is the way it's produced. The songwriting's not abrasive. It's a catchy, poppy song, melodic, fun. But the way it's produced, the way it's recorded, is weird. So it's recorded differently. It's kind of a punky power pop song, but intentionally weird in the way it's presented. third song on the album is another song from Christine called Think About Me. Another very straightforward song from Christine, consistent with her very identifiable style and sound. This is a really good song and brief at less than three minutes. Great chorus with very prominent backing vocals from Lindsay. I like this song quite a bit. Uh, One of my favorite songs from Christine probably for Fleetwood Mac. fourth song on the album a song from Lindsay called save me a place so this is a soft pretty ballad from Lindsay, but it's made weird by one the way the percussion is recorded and two the extra long save and love on the chorus the way he stretches those out So even though it's it's more of a straightforward kind of acoustic song, it's made weird, kind of intentionally. The structure of the song, the song itself, the written song, 
not as weird as it sounds. It's injected with weirdness. The legend was the way it was produced, the way it was recorded. This song, it's the way the songs are, the words in the chorus are stretched out extra long, and then also the interesting approach to the production. So it's more about the choices. But I love this. Fifth song on the album, last song on the first side, song from Stevie Nicks called Sarah. This is Stevie at her most kind of uncomfortably personal and annoyingly mystical. And uh, so this was a single and a hit, but this is my least favorite Stevie song on the album. Also kind of too much of a soft rock vibe for me that I don't like. Uh, Lindsay is always Stevie's secret weapon. And in the past, he always helped, you know, to bring her songs to life and make them great. But I really hear very little of Lindsay's input on this. And it's over six minutes long. I honestly, I don't like Sarah. Flipping the first record over, side two opens with a song called What Makes You Think You're the One from Lindsey Buckingham. Great punchy track from Lindsey. Minimal guitar, so it feels stripped down, almost raw. But I like it a lot. A great vocal performance from Lindsey. I like the production quite a bit on this. This is a great song. I love this. Second song on side two, a song from Stevie called Storms. A really great, stark, depressing song from Stevie. Very effective in terms of the emotional response that this song elicits from the listener. Her soft vocal is perfect. Nice little guitar parts from Lindsay. I love this song, but it's also quite a downer. Do 
Third song on side two, a song from Lindsay called That's All for Everyone. This is my least favorite Lindsay song on the album. Really doesn't have much of a hook. It's not bad, but it's just kind of layered and repetitive and lacking in melody, really. It's all right, but it's not great. Fourth song on side two, an amazing power pop song from Lindsey Buckingham called Not That Funny. I love the mix on this, even the corny synthesizer. The drum sound is huge. I love the choppy guitars. Lindsey's vocal is great. This is an excellent song, but again, the way this song is recorded and mixed makes it less commercial sounding. Probably on purpose. Maybe it would have been a bigger hit if they had a lush, if they gave it a lush sound like Go Your Own Way, but they purposefully didn't. I personally love the way this sounds, but it would, but it's definitely less accessible to like Rumors fans, but produced differently, probably right up their alley. So it's the choices made in terms of the recording and the production and the instrumentation and the approach Last song on side two, another dark ballad from Stevie called Sisters of the Moon. Gets a little heavy, but it's mystical and epic. And this is scary Stevie, probably Stevie as her witch character. (laughs) Uh, This is a cool song. I like it. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store, 
or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything factor meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, <laughs> oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business, and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, moving on to the second record in this double album, two-record set, Tusk. Side three begins with a Stevie Nicks song called Angel, a very fun rock song from Stevie. This one actually has more of a Christine vibe. Lindsay with his guitar licks, John McVie killing it with the bouncy bass and his bass fills, and it's got a nice chorus. So this is a really quality song from Stevie Nicks with, you know, with help from some great musicians.
Second song on side three is a song from Lindsey Buckingham called That's Enough For Me. One of my favorites from Lindsey. This song is a minute and 50 seconds long. It's rockabilly power pop. Just a blast of melody. I love the song. I love the way it's put together. So energetic and catchy. I just think this is awesome. I love this. Uh, But I also would understand that other people don't even notice this or or whatever but i it's to me this is great power pop Third song on side three, a pretty boring ballad from Christine called Brown Eyes. Nice harmonies and things, but definitely one of my least favorite songs on this collection. Fourth song on side three, another ballad from Christine. Two minutes long called Never Make Me Cry. Brown Eyes should have been two minutes long. That was four and a half minutes long. This song is okay. I think it would be way better if it was recorded just as a piano ballad, like the way that songbird was. So overproduced, maybe. All right, last song on side three. My favorite song on this double album. Infectious power pop from Lindsey Buckingham called I Know I'm Not Wrong. This is a personal favorite of mine of all songs. I just love this song. Now, there's a major issue for me, which is that when this album was reissued on CD, not the original issue on CD from whatever the 90s or whatever, but when this was reissued later, they used remixed or something version of this with extra vocal tracks that, in my opinion, ruin it. Like, ruin it. 
So I will only listen to this song, the original mix on the vinyl or the very first issue of the CD. But beware. If you listen to this, it's probably on Spotify. If you listen to this on, you know, recent editions, they ruin the song. They add a bunch of shit that was not there originally. I don't know why, but there's all these extra vocal tracks that were not there. So you want to listen to this song. You want to listen to the original version of this song, which is on the vinyl and the very first CD that came out. But beware of the remix. All right, flipping the record over, side four opens with a song from Christine McVie called Honey High. Kind of an annoying song, considering the vibe and the percussion. Probably my least favorite. I don't know, I might have already said that about one of Christine's other songs, but yeah, I don't like this. Second song on side four, another mellow, emotional ballad from Stevie called Beautiful Child. It's a beautiful song. Great melodies, great impact, great build to a coda. Excellent tune from Stevie. You've got these songs, Storms, Beautiful Child. They're very similar. They're all similar to each other, but they're all great. Third song on side four from Lindsey Buckingham called Walk a Thin Line. Amazing kind of ballad from Lindsey. Interesting double track drums. So again, even though it's very catchy and a potential hit, 
they add this element of weirdness. But it's a great song. I love it. Fourth song on side four, the title track, Tusk, from Lindsey Buckingham. Obviously a very weird song, built on top of an odd percussion track. A very ominous, threatening verse leads to a psychotic chorus. Then you add in a marching band to this very strange, minimalist song. So you've got a song that's like everything is right on the top, like the surface, like it feels like it's recorded on a four track, like a demo, like very minimal. And then you put in a marching band. So it's this track is insane. It's nuts. I would love to have seen this presented to the record company as this is the first single. I, I mean, it was chosen as the first single. I don't know whose call that was. I mean, it, you know, it's become an iconic song. Everybody knows that the the part the band, the, the, the marching band plays. I mean, it's iconic. Everybody knows it. But also just, you know, listen to this. It's nuts. It's a crazy, weird song. It's definitely, you know, it's it's fun. I mean, what? This is self-destructive. You're following up rumors with this. It's self-destructive on purpose. It's so subversive. It's in-your-face creativity. It's a celebration of what you can do in a studio. You know, it's like this is a studio creation. It's cool. It's, it's neat. It's fun. It's interesting. It's inventive. It's creative. It's all of those things. But it's also fucking weird.
All right, last song on the album, a song from Christine McVie called Never Forget. Very anticlimactic end of this album, a toss-off from Christine. Clearly, clearly, obviously, so obvious. They should have ended the album with the song Tusk. So, like, flip the order here. Have Never Forget. If you have to have Never Forget here, I mean, this probably... Well, there's enough for this to be a double album, but there's a few songs from Christine especially that are, like... Nah. But, you know, flip it. Have this come after Walk a Thin Line, and then you gotta end the album with Tusk. How do you not end the album with Tusk? I don't That's crazy to me. In the end, I personally, I love this album. The sequencing is questionable at times, as I've just been, you know, complaining about just before I started saying this sentence. But, you know, w- look what they're dealing with. It's like this impossible eclectic collection you've got stevie's just like coming at you with all these ballads christine's are mostly ballads uh christine has a great rocker called think about me stevie has a great rocker called angel you've got all of Lindsay's just variety and then you've got to put it all together there's nothing cohesive about this album you know that would be an obvious criticism is that it's schizophrenic like John McVie said, three solo albums, you know, shoved together. So that's a failure. If you're making an album, this band failed to work together to make an album. Uh, mostly probably Lindsey Buckingham's doing. There's definitely criticisms to be made of Lindsey's approach here, but I love Lindsey's songs love some of my favorite stuff ever so will they take that into account will they make a more cohesive band album to follow this up will they learn from their mistakes I I don't think they made mistakes I think Lindsay rejected the idea obviously Lindsay rejected the idea of following up rumors with anything that was going to try to capitalize on the excessive rumors and as I pointed out before he had that freedom Because he was already set for life, basically. But let's find out what they're going to do next after this kind of massive on-purpose failure. I don't know, but we'll find out what they do next tomorrow when we talk about their next album. Which will take a couple years to come out, called Mirage.
What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.